Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. At the end of chapter 2 in 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is speaking to women and describing the, the role that women are to play in the church and the work that they are to give themselves to. He's really drawing a contrast between men and women, but towards the same goal, which is unity in the church, unity in prayer. And the prior verses and the prior chapter give us the context of conflict in the church over theological things related to Jewish law and customs and what it means to be obedient, what it means to be a Christian. And then you get to the end of chapter 2, and Paul makes this, what seems to us to be strange and frightening observation, which is that the bearing of children is so central to the purpose of woman that it's tied to salvation. And so as we looked at these verses last week, we saw the reasons that he gives for women being told to not exercise authority over a man or to teach a man, but rather to quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. And we saw that the bearing of children at the end is really meant to be a consolation to women. That this is a blessing that's given at the end of the description of the reasons why women are not to give themselves to teaching or exercising authority. And and it's these hard things that we don't like to think about too much, Uh, and, and I don't think that the people in Paul's day really liked to think about it too much either. And so, yeah, there's, there's a difference between our day now and his day then in terms of cultural expectations and so forth. And yet the temptations, yet the seeds of sins that we have given ourselves to as a culture are present and dealt with by Paul here in his letter to Timothy and to the church in Ephesus. And so, after Paul gives the reasons that women are not to teach or exercise authority over a man, one of which is the creation order, that man was created first and then woman, And the other reason that he gives being that it was not Adam who was deceived, but Eve who was deceived. So those are the two reasons that he gives. And then he gives this 
what we saw last week was a consolation. That, that there's the bearing of children still for women. But he doesn't just say that there is still childbirth and childrearing. He actually says that it's tied to salvation. He says women will be preserved through the bearing of children. That word preserved, if you look at another translation, may say saved, something similar. It's the same word. So that's what we want to deal with today. What in the world does Paul mean by that? Because even if the thought of reading that makes us uncomfortable, it it doesn't do us any good to be like, well, whatever that means, and then move on, right? Let's, Let's try to understand what he's saying. And some of the the objections that come up immediately in our minds are things like, well, lots and lots of non-Christian women have children every year, so is Paul saying that they're saved? Or that we might say that there are plenty of Christian women that are unable to have children either because they're not married, because they're barren, because they're past child-rearing age, whatever the case may be. So what in the world is he talking about? And besides, doesn't this sound like salvation by works? Sounds like it, right? So let's, let's dive in. Let's read the passage again. Same one as last week, 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15. Let's see what we're to make of Paul's final word to the women here in this chapter. Please stand for the reading of God's word. 1 Timothy 2, 8 through 15. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, But the woman being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Now the first thing that I want to deal with is... uh, Just to say right out, this is not talking about the birth of Jesus. Now, you you may have heard that before, uh, somebody saying that this, this women will be preserved through the bearing of children just has reference to the fact that 
the Christ is born from a woman. I'm not saying there's no relationship between those two things, but I want you to pay attention to the verb tense here. All right? Now, some of you kids may be more used to thinking about that right now, being in school and thinking about language training and these sorts of things. But what does it say in verse 15? Does it say women have been preserved? Women have been saved through the bearing of children? Or does it say they will be saved? Will be saved. And as the time that Paul is writing this is after the birth, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. To put something into the future here means that he's not talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, that would be an easy way out, and we could just move on from this verse and say, well, it's just talking about Jesus was born of a woman, and so, uh, and so I guess that's all he's talking about. But it just doesn't work because of that little pesky verb. And it also doesn't work because it doesn't say through the bearing of a child, but it says children. And so something more is going on here than simply talking about the fact that the promised Messiah comes from woman, which is absolutely true, goes all the way back to the beginning of the Bible and to the promise that God made to Eve, even in the midst of the curse, that she would bear a son, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, her enemy. So this, this command, or I mean, this, this, uh, this statement that women will be preserved through the bearing of children, it does have reference to that promise that God made to Eve. And it does teach the continuation of the work of bearing children in spite of the fact that that promised son, that promised seed, the chosen one, had already come. So you see, we, we look for these ways out, right? And one of the, one of the ways that you may have heard of to, to get out from underneath this uh, this pre-fall and then post-fall command to bear children and to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, to, to, to raise up a godly seed, okay? One of the ways that you may have heard of to do that is to simply say that uh, in the new covenant, after the time of Christ, that this, this Raising up of a godly seed, this refers to the the fruit of the church. The fruit of the church being the conversion of people. So, So this no longer has reference to actually bearing children, 
but it has reference to the church bearing fruit, having children for Jesus Christ, which is to say simply making disciples. Okay. Again, here, this one verse just takes that whole thing apart. Because it's not talking about the... uh, It's not talking about the new covenant. It's not talking about the church as the woman. It's talking about women generally. And it's talking about women as opposed to men. You see, this is is really simple reasoning. It's, it's, It's really simple, obvious things in the text. Once you look at what it says, it's not hard to see. But it makes it uncomfortable because it starts doing away with some of the easy outs, right? You know, I'm going to need some water, I think. So it teaches the continuation of this work of bearing children that was given to Eve, right? Now, as we saw last week, this is not just a continuation of work. It's a continuation of blessing, right? If this is meant to be a consolation, as we saw last week, then certainly we see that for him to say that they will be saved, that promise is not just something that's hard and, and like, oh, well, this, you've, sorry, you, you, you're, not, you're not free from this work yet. You've still got to keep doing this hard work. Though that is true, it also comes with all of the blessings that are attendant unto bearing children for women. Right? So it teaches the continuation of the work and it reminds us of the blessings that have come through that very obedience. The the main one of which is the birth of Jesus Christ was accomplished through the bearing of children, right? (laughs) And so for centuries, women had looked back to that promise And they had looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, knowing that it would happen how? Through childbirth. And that that was a hopeful thing to every woman as she went through that difficult, painful work, right? Now you're post-birth of Christ, you're you're post-resurrection, you're in the new covenant, you're in the church era, right? And... Paul is pointing back to it. And he's saying, look, this produced good fruit, and it continues to produce good fruit. It continues to produce good fruit in yourself, you women, who give yourself to this work of of childbearing. And so it's still this, this promise that's filled with hope that salvation comes this way. It comes through that obedience. Now, again, there's, there's, no, there's no escaping the connections that Paul is making. Last week we looked at uh, the similarity that he, uh, of the, this text with the one in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We saw some of the same themes repeated. And 
And this week, I just want to remind you, one of the things that he does is he constantly goes back and he talks about the very first chapters of the Bible. He goes back and he looks at the creation. He goes back and he looks at the fall. He looks at the curse. He looks at the promises that are contained, the blessings that are contained there. And he applies them forward to today to us. And so this is, this is something that if, if we look at it, we know that he has Eve in his mind, right? Because he has just gotten done saying, Eve. <laughs> you with me? So, so, and we know not just that Eve is in his mind, but the particularities of what happened with Eve. And what were those particularities? Well, the fact that she was deceived is one of the particular things that he's talked about. So women, what he's doing is he's, he's connecting you to Eve, that first mother, right? And he's connecting you in ways that you don't want to be connected, and he's connecting you to, to Eve in ways that you do want to be connected. And what I want you to see right here at the beginning is that if you refuse to be connected to Eve in the ways that are uncomfortable, that are painful, that you don't like to be connected to her, that you may not be associated with her, connected to her in the good things. Either you're connected to her or you're not. Either there's something that matters about Eve in your life that makes a difference in who you are and what you're to be doing, or you're just other than her. And it's the same with men, right, and and Adam. And and when when you look at the way Paul deals with Adam... He does the same thing with with, uh, associating ourselves with Adam and recognizing that through Adam, sin entered the world and mankind fell and death came into the world, right? And that if we refuse to have him as our federal head, we also cannot have Jesus as our federal head, right? So so again, we we, we get these sorts of, you know, look, Either you're connected, either you're a part of this, either it means something to you that you're a descendant of Adam, man, that you are a, that you are a daughter of Eve, woman, right? Or you're, you're, you're refusing that, and you're saying, no, don't label me with her name. No, don't label me with his name. And, of course, that goes great with our hatred of labels today. Right, and with our gener- with with our hatred of generalizations, and so we we have this immediate temptation to say, no, 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 you can't paint me with Eve's brush. Eve was her own crazy thing, and and Paul, the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going, no, Eve was deceived, and therefore you may not teach or exercise authority over men. That's the connection, right? Or one of the connections that he makes. Because Eve was deceived, that means something for you, and it means that you may not teach or exercise authority. You say, well, 
Why? Are you implying that I'm also, as a woman, more easily deceived than Adam? I got a couple of heads nodding. I'm curious, to, I'm curious what would happen if we took a straw poll, but I'm not going to do that. I got at least a couple of people in here saying yes. Well, I ask you, is there any connection to Eve to you women today? Does the fact that she was deceived mean that you should not teach or exercise authority? Well, that much is absolutely incontrovertible in the text. You can't escape that connection, right? But then you have to ask yourself, why does the fact that she was deceived have anything to do with me not teaching or exercising authority? And I can't see any other connection besides saying yes. The way woman was made and the implication that Paul is making here is that woman is more easily deceived. Now that's painful. It's painful to think about. It's painful to say. It's painful to say in our culture. It's painful to say to women in May because Mother's Day is coming. It's not today, is it? (laughs) But we don't like it. And listen, women, men don't like it any more than women do. We don't like saying that about women because it's not gentlemanly. And we don't like the implications for ourselves that come through Adam either. Right? But let me, let me push back into this, this theme that I'm, I'm saying. If you refuse to identify with Eve in the bad, you cannot identify with her in the good. And so if women partake with Eve in her being deceived, then they also partake with her in the blessing that is promised by God after the fall. which is that there will be seed, that there will be childbearing still, and that that's a, that's a sweet, good thing. But if you, re- if you refuse to identify with her in being deceived, let me ask you what your goal is in that. If you don't want to say, Women are more easily deceived. What, does, what purpose does that serve to say that? Okay. Let's examine our motives. One thing that I've read is people saying, well, we don't want to say that women, uh, we don't want to say that women sin more. Than men. We don't want to say that women uh, 
sin more easily. But that doesn't have anything to do with this question of being deceived. It has to do with how women fall into sin. Not a question of amount or likelihood, right? Because Adam also fell into sin. And so the likelihood for man is what? You're going to sin. And it's not just a likelihood, it's a, it's a guarantee, if you will. And the likelihood for women is like Eve, that you're, you're going to sin. It's a guarantee. So that can't be the motivation. Why is it that we don't want to say, why is it that we, that we are offended at the thought that women are in some way connected with Eve in this, because she was deceived, you may not teach or exercise authority. Well, right there, that's the clue. When we get angry at the thought that Eve was deceived and that that has some implication for women today, okay, we ought to look at what the therefore is. Therefore, they may not teach or exercise authority over men. And so what is the motivation behind rejecting the association of women with Eve and her being deceived by the serpent? The motivation is so that they can give themselves to this work that they're prohibited in. Teaching and exercising authority. Right? Because that's the only thing that being easily deceived has such massive implications for. If you are more easily deceived, then it makes absolutely no sense that you would want to put the person who's most easily deceived into the teaching and leadership and authority structures. Does it? And so when we start kicking against that thought, we've got to look at our motives and see, oh, well, the, you know, actually, the only real reason that we have for wanting to, to dissociate women with, de, with the deception that Eve fell into is for the purpose of teaching and exercising authority. I can't think of, I haven't been able to find any other reason. Well, except for fear of man, right? We, of course, we also want to not be talking about this because we know that it's not popular, because we know that people will think that we're crazy extremists and idiots, and, and we're afraid of that, and so we don't want to say it. And I don't even want this being recorded. That's how afraid I am. No, no, stop. I, I mean, don't stop. Don't stop it. <laughs> Because this is, this, is the, this is the proclamation of God's word, right? And so we want it to go forth. We want it to go forth in power. We want there to be this clear declaration that men and women are so different that it matters what they're, what they're meant to do, it, it, what, they're, 
what they're prone to changes depending on whether you're a, you're a man or a woman. And therefore, what you ought to give yourself to changes. And remember, even non-Christians know that it's true. It's obvious to everybody. Even when we say, you know, well, here's this amazing thing. Women, they're, they're built in such a way that they can have babies. And men, they're not built in such a way that they can have babies. And what do you know? Everybody knows this, right? And there are, there are a few people who are stupid enough to deny it. But even they know that they're lying through their teeth, right? So an example just from this past week of this, uh, uh, there was a, a famous woman teacher who on Twitter and then I think in an article, and I didn't bother looking all this up and reading it, but because who, who needs it? It's the same as countless other stories that are identical to it in the past, called out Christian men for treating her, I think I would say probably as a second-class theologian because she was a woman. So she's, she writes, she, she teaches, she's, she does books and so forth, and, and, uh, and she said there's sexism in the church, there's sexism among Christian men, they... They don't treat me like I, I ought to be treated. They, they don't think that... They, they think that I'm more easily deceived. That's what it comes down to. Right? And that's proof of male chauvinism, being sexist, whatever you want. Fill in the blank. And so this is a woman who is refusing to identify with Eve. Right? A, a woman who's refusing to see that there's an implication that, that, that has something to do with who she is for the fact that Eve was deceived. And it's, it has such a deep impact on who she is, that therefore she is unfit to teach or exercise authority over men. It's that deep, right? And whatever it is, it has something to do with deception. This goes along with refusing to identify with Eve in the pain of childbirth. But again, to go down this path of separating yourself and saying that you have nothing to do, no, there, there's no... There's no uh, there's no coming forward from Eve to you. There's no, there's no connection there. It means that you must also refuse to identify with her in the true blessings of childbearing. 
Because childbearing and teaching and leadership don't go, to, don't, don't go together. And it's not just in the past that they don't go together. They don't go together today either. I think I mentioned last week, you know, the first, uh, first time ever uh, sitting senators had a, had a baby while in office, right? And so it's notable because why? Because it's never happened before? For starters, right? And it's notable because how are you supposed to do both? Bear and raise that child and take this office of leadership and and give yourself to that work. The perpetual claim is that women can have both, but they never do. They never do. But in the pursuit of saying, I can have both the blessings of motherhood and I can have no association with Eve in being a woman and, and therefore I can take on all leadership of men, all teaching of men, authority of position, right? In trying to go both of those directions, what happens The women are torn in half, trying to pursue opposite, opposing, opposing things. And so they freeze their eggs, they change their career path, they sacrifice their child's well-being so they don't have to change career paths. And then the world is shocked, utterly shocked, that there are so few women CEOs, but why are we shocked? At the core, women desire to give themselves to the work that they were made to do and that they're good at. Is that offensive? No, it's sweet. It's sweet that they desired. It's it's good. It's natural. It's appropriate. And to think that you can have both, to think that you can have both, is to demonstrate your continued deception. Women, do you hear me? This is what happens when women are deceived. They think that they can have everything to do with Eve and nothing to do with Eve at the same time. It's silly. It doesn't work. It never has worked. It doesn't work even today. And there is no amount of fixing our society that can fix this problem because you can't make black white and white black. You can't make man woman. You, you, you can't make 2 plus 2 equal 4 and 5. It's that, it's that natural. It's that fundamental. 
So instead of glorifying God by being the glory of man, as God made them to be, they intend to become the glory of Christ through their teaching of men and leadership and exercising of authority. And what is that? It's to eat the forbidden fruit again. What was the eating of the fruit? It was the woman being discontent with how she had been made and grasping for more and saying, this is not enough. I need to become like God. And so now today, I say, woman, here you are. You're beautiful. You're lovely. You've been given giftings and weaknesses that work together for the work that you've been made to do, and you say, it's not enough. I desire to be something more. I'm going to take that fruit again. And so what happens is, instead of identifying with Eve in the consequences of her sin, both the curse and the blessing that come from it, instead you say, no, I will identify with Eve in eating the forbidden fruit. And expect that there will be no further curse that comes from it. And so that lack of contentment in position as what God made her leads to the same perverse turning of everything on its head. So women, you will identify with Eve. You will identify with her either in claiming that promise that comes after the fall. That the bearing of children is good, right? That you're not made to lead your husband to teach, to exercise authority. Or you will identify with Eve in saying, no, I hate what I was made to be. I refuse to be limited. I, I, can, do, I can do more and be more than I was made for. I'm smarter than God. I can have this and keep the good from the garden. Those are the only two options. You're going to identify with Eve. Identify with her in humility under the weight of the curse and its consequences, under the weight of the the natural order of the way things were made even prior to the curse, and in the gift of childbearing that's before that is sweet before, painful after, and and regardless is the hope of the future and the fulfillment of the work that you've been given to do. Isn't that sweet? Now, what this means is that faithful obedience for a woman is different than for a man. 
in that they were made for different things and that they glorify God in different ways. Woman, by being a helper to man, his glory, and man, by being the glory of Christ, those are different. They're both good. They're what we're made for. They're sweet. But what does this will be preserved or will be saved through childbearing actually mean? That saved part, that preserved bit. Paul is not saying that women are justified before God by this work. Okay, when you, you go back to the Reformation, you read Calvin at least mentions this. He goes, Roman Catholics, Papists, they bring this up as evidence that we're justified by our works. But this is ridiculous. <laughs> because then, all the non-Christian women who have children are saved. Right? And nobody claims that. On the one hand, that's one, one reason that it's obvious that it can't mean that we're, that we're dealing with you, you are justified by the act of having a baby. But also, <clears throat> the verse doesn't end there, right? It immediately goes on to say, if they continue in faith. And so he's talking to women who are Christians, women who have believed who are saved, and you know how you know how the Bible speaks, both past, present, and future, about salvation. Those who have been saved, those who are being saved, and those who will be saved, and and it's talking about the same people. It's not like there's this one group, and then there's this other group, and then there's this third group. No, it's 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 the same people. We are we are saved. And we are being saved, here, us, right? And in the end, we will be saved. So that's what Paul's doing here. That's part of what he's doing. He's talking to women that are already saved. So what is he saying then? He's saying that this is the condition in which, in, in which woman is saved. The condition of, of your life is this bearing of fruit, bearing of children. This is, this is where you're doing your work. You're being sanctified. You're being saved. It's like saying that people are saved through the hearing of the word, right? Hearing itself accomplishes nothing, and yet it's by hearing that the salvation comes, right? It's the same kind of thing that's going on here. The bearing of children itself doesn't make you saved, and yet it is by that work that salvation comes. 
Now, there is a temptation to make true kingdom work one category of things. And, and that could be like the study of theology or the proclamation of the gospel or the, uh, the saving of the tribes or the accomplishing of, uh, of, you know, clean water for the continent of Africa. And it could be any number of things that you might put over here in the, in the true spiritual work. And then, on the other hand, as opposed to this true spiritual kingdom work category, you have being a mother. The sort of, not as kingdomish, not as spiritual, just sort of day in, day out, like natural, earthly, earthy work, right? And and I want you to see that that's exactly what Paul obliterates here when he says that it is, that, that you will be saved through the bearing of children. He makes it into spiritual work. He doesn't make it into it, though. It's always been spiritual work, hasn't it? It's always been an act of faith on the part of women. This is what we saw for, for centuries. The women had been giving themselves to this work by faith, looking forward to the promised one that would come, that, that had been given right at the fall. And so it's always been spiritual work, and it continues. He's saying, look, this is, this is, this is the kingdom. This is the work of the kingdom for you. It's beautiful. Do it. Calvin talks about this. I'm going to read this quote. He says, Whatever hypocrites or wise men of the world may think of it, when a woman, considering what she has been called, submits to the condition which God has assigned to her and does not refuse to endure the pains, or rather the fearful anguish of childbirth, or anxiety about her offspring, or anything else that belongs to her duty, if she submits to these things and does not refuse them, right? God values this obedience more highly than if, in some other manner, she made a great display of heroic virtue while she refused to obey the calling of God. God values it more highly. Why? Because he made them that way. To be that way, to do that work, it is the spiritual work that they've been given to do that brings pleasure to God in your lives. Now, it's also possible for you women to give yourselves to that work, and it is fearful, it is painful, it is filled with anxieties, 
It's possible to give yourself to that work, but without faith. And this is why Paul does not leave it with, women will be saved through the bearing of children. Women will be reserved through the bearing of children. He, he follows that immediately with if. If you continue in faith. And what else? In faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Now the worst sorts of idolatry of motherhood are those that will seek motherhood as a good thing and yet outside of God's will for motherhood. Right? And so this blessing that's been given has been given in the context of accepting what you are to be. Which starts with marriage, right? And so those who make a big show out of the the wonders of motherhood outside of marriage, they have nothing to do with the blessing that Paul is talking about here, do they? Because they're not they're not continuing in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. They're not continuing underneath this calling that, that God has given that's laid out here. They're simply raising up motherhood into this idol. And there are other ways, of course, that this happens. And this has always been a temptation for women, even women of faith. Even Abraham's wife, Sarah, wasn't immune to this, was she? Seeking motherhood, and yet not by faith, not trusting God, but taking matters into her own hands. There are many, many temptations for us to to raise up motherhood in various ways, to idolize it, to make it into something that, that as, as, as amazing, as miraculous as motherhood and childbirth are, and they are, and as natural as, as they are, as, as proper and right and good for a woman and for her body and her design and her psyche and everything else about it, as, as good and natural and right and true as all of that stuff is, to raise motherhood up into something that it's not is to reduce motherhood. By reducing God, by reducing God's design. Because we can't improve on it. And it's because of this understanding that this is a spiritual truth that we also realize that those who are not married, those women that that never get married, those women that, that don't have children, that never have children, that are barren. Are not prevented through the lack of physical children from being described by this verse. 
as sad as it truly is, as painful as it truly is, what? They still do the work of motherhood. They still give themselves to this fundamental purpose of being. This natural created order. In faith, in love, in sanctity, with self-restraint. They're not prevented by doing that, or from doing that. And in fact, they're not even prevented from associating with the first half of the verse, being saved through the bearing of children. Though the children may not be your own, still you can give yourself to the care and attention to children that is appropriate for your sex. And that's good and sweet. And your daughters are to be taught to do this. Still more, the work of bearing children is not just physical, but spiritual. And this brings us to one of the biggest temptations for Christian mothers. Because there are those who pursue this work without continuing in the faith. They begin to live in fear. In fear of what may happen to their children. In fear of what other women may think of them. The mommy wars are a real thing. Right? But why? Because they are identifying themselves too closely with their children and with motherhood. Do you understand? They have, they have lost track of the fact that this is, if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint, and it's all about, I'm going to succeed on the basis of this thing. And doing it exactly right. And so they demand that there be some right way of doing motherhood. That's beyond faith. It's by sight. If I simply follow the right pattern. And that pattern could be anything from how you feed them to how you dress them to how you wrap them, to how they sleep. It can be all manner of physical things. And boy, you can see them on the bumper stickers, right? I finally found out what some of these, what some of these things are on the back of cars. It's like, I'm a part of the swaddling cult. I believe that this will save my children and make me into the perfect mommy. And I'm, and I'm a member of the, you know, whatever league it is or cult it is that you're a part of. And you, you, got, you, can, get all the, you can get all the bumper stickers and you can say, I'm a part of all of them. I do it all. I'm better than all of you because I do it all. I practice helicopter parenting and free-range parenting. 
but beyond the physical, of course. The church has, has no shortage of these sorts of spiritual, spiritualized versions of the same things, right? Forget the dietary rules for babies. What about pedo communion? Why is it that the, that the most vehement defenses of pedo communion that I've ever read and, and the most aggressive have come from women? Might it have something to do with the desire to be saved through the bearing of children, but not by faith, but by sight? Some way to guarantee the outcome. And of course, this can go into discipline and how you're super strict or how you're super nice or, you know, the, the, the options are endless in, a, in, a, in the spiritual realm as well for how you, not to say that discipline is not commanded, it is commanded, right? Not to say that there aren't promises attendant to it, but you cannot, you cannot Say, I will only give myself to the work of being a mother and bearing children if I have the guarantee that it's going to work out the way I want it. That every one of my children will be saved. Do you understand? And that, that in no way undercuts the promise that God will be a God to us and to our children after us. That's what living by faith looks like. Saying, you know, I don't understand how this child could ever be saved because I looked at them the day that they were born and I saw sin. And it never has stopped. I keep seeing it. And yet you say, by faith, I believe that God will be a God to me and to my children after me. And so I will not live in fear of what might happen to my children. I will not live demanding that God give me exactly what I want for my children, that they not suffer in this way, that they not suffer through this person, that they not go through this difficulty that I went through because I had faith to go through it for myself, but I don't have faith for them. And instead, give yourself to the bearing of children by faith. The long, painful process that in the end leads to learning to love, learning to put fear behind you, learning to be self-restrained, and sanctified, 
And doesn't having children and doing the work of bearing children produce that? Yeah. As long as you do it by faith. And if you don't do it by faith, you will grab your children and you will squeeze until their guts come out on your fingers. And I have seen this happen with many Christian Reformed families. That the women cannot give themselves to doing this work by faith. And so it does not lead to anything good. It does not lead to any faith or endurance or perseverance or any of these, or sanctity. Instead, it leads to controlling, manipulative power plays that destroy the fabric of the family and tear the children apart. And it always starts, of course, with undercutting the authority of the father. And this is in patriarchal homes. And so do you see the temptation? To say, oh yes, I believe in motherhood. I believe in it more than everybody else. I have the way forward. The way forward is by faith. It's by faith. And it's sweet. And it's tender. It's filled with love, sanctity, and self-restraint. And how many times do you have to restrain yourself as a mother in dealing with your children? And how much sanctification does it require? More than you have. And this is what it produces. It's the way of salvation for a woman. Do you see it now? It's the way of salvation. And nowhere else will you learn to grow. You learn and grow. (laughs) Like this. Identify yourself with Eve in the pain of childbirth and in the salvation that comes out of it. Because Eve didn't bear Jesus Christ, did she? And yet by faith she gave herself to that work. And it bore fruit in her life. 